0: This is the Strength Anchor Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain. Here we are, episode eighty-one. Ocho uno, and Bring we are back. we are talking about making powerlifting quote mainstream, lamestream or mainstream. So before we get into that, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's type some loose ends. Absolutely, uh, the putt episode has been very popular.
1: <laughs> very popular. Uh, that one may. I would say there's a couple, like, thresholds that we look at when it comes to certain episodes. That may have hit most of those, like, especially the 500 listen, faster than any other episode.
0: Yeah, our, our highest listen episode ever was the Q&A with mm. Anthony Oliveira. Absolutely. Um, and that, I think, just just the nature of it, because people like Q&As, mm-hmm. and obviously Anthony's got a great following online, and, you know, I, I think has very good content. Yes. And so uh, I think we will do something similar with Putt, which maybe we'll uh, – exceed uh, even the original episode. I mean, yeah, I think it'd be
1: fun if we could do it live, if we could have, like, either people could call in or we could go, like, Instagram live. It'd be, it'd be cool if we could do it somehow. Sure. But We'll see. Uh, but,
0: yeah, we will, we will have put back on again. We'll, we'll let him rest and go back into social media hiding for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, But, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I've said to a couple of people here, like, I think you guys thought I was making up. Some of the things about putt,
1: and and he could be totally bullshitting on some of these things, but I don't think he is. Like, I, here's the thing: like, Eric, I generally like believe you. Like, you're you're not the kind of person that really like definitely not lies, not really even embellishes a lot of stuff. But some of the stuff you hear about putt, you're like, there's no there's no fucking way that a human does that, let alone that a human does all these fucking things.
0: <laughs> and yet here we have. He, I mean, there's Mr. some Puth stuff that surprised even me: eleven
1: fridges in his house. Which, by the way, put you owe us pictures of those. <laughs> but but I am gonna make a, t- a special trip to the loot next year just to one I want to meet Putt in person and then uh I, I I just I feel like I have to report out on some of this shit. And something tells me that if Putt and I get drinking, it's gonna get fucking wild. I mean I've been to his house. It is gigantic. I'm, I mean I'm looking forward to it. His dining room table seats like thirty people. And, and he confirmed benches are all around.
0: <laughs> so we will have it back on for an ask put. Anything episode in I mean, the future? Probably not until next year, but but we'll see. Put put episode two, uh, put put I think is like a junior senior in high school or something like that, something like that. But I mean, yeah. if it's if it's the part two, it's put put. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, Mister Bane, what is going on?
1: I mean, we'll say the obvious. W P Ho. Uh. What's your point? <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, in our listening base, uh, I was granted the opportunity to participate as a competitor and as a lifter in this year's World Powerlifting Organization Super Finals. You, Wayne, pull open, if you will, uh, down in Orlando, Florida, here on November 6th. Uh, pretty cool. I think that's, uh, I'll save the whole story for me getting invited uh, till after the meet, but it was really cool. I did get that phone call from Wayne, and uh, basically he asked, can you be ready? And I said yes, and uh, you know he uttered the words that I was I've been looking forward to for a long time, and that was welcome to the show, and that was uh, that was pretty cool. So very excited uh, to compete there, and then take the rest of this fucking year off from peaking for meats because uh, my body is ready for it. But that's what's going on with me. Stone, what's going on with you?
0: Um, well we we had the two XL appreciation dinner mm-hmm. a few weeks ago at Sebastian's. Uh, I think it's Sebastian's Alehouse. Whiskey and Ale House. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, you and Gimmel, I think, on a, on a, a night drinking there, you know, helped Us? set up. Us? No, we don't do that. We're in you meat know, prep. Helped, uh, helped well, this was a long time ago, helped, <laughs> helped set up, and uh, we met with the owner. And it was actually his idea to do a, a member appreciation dinner mm-hmm. there, and, you know, it was good. You know, they provided uh, pizza, pasta, salad, where there was lots of drinks bought. There were... Um, they have some, like, I mean, uh, my, my drinks there were good. Uh, I like their bacon old-fashioned. Oh, um, so good. They have a lot of different uh, – they have, like, a huge list, like eight-point font, three, three columns of, like, all the different kinds of whiskey oh, yeah, and, bourbon and bourbon and scotch they oh, have. it's fantastic.
1: It is a well-stocked bar. Yes. Uh, and good food, too. I like their food. Dude, food's good. The staff's awesome. Uh, fun little spot.
0: What, I mean, less than a mile from the gym. Yeah, very close to 2XL. So if you're coming to a meet here at 2XL – uh, I've been asking for some coupon cards from him after that. I haven't gotten them yet. Maybe I'll just have to stop in there and yeah. say, can you please give me some? Um, I know that he's a busy guy. He owns two bars, yep.
1: uh, the owner, uh, Staffa. Yeah, big shout out to Staffa because he, yeah. uh, he he hooked us up. And uh, I, think, I think this is beginning of have a good partnership. I think they, they saw the benefit of it, and I know we certainly enjoyed it. So I mean, honestly, they probably did financially fine based on how many drinks we bought. Oh, I, bought yeah. s-
0: I bought some appetizers, like their bacon appetizers <laughs> for the crew as well. Um, which is very good stuff. That's kind of their shtick there. Other than all the alcohol they serve, they have like a bacon menu, which is very good. Be good. Um, We've got the Rise of the Deadlift and Static Monsters coming up uh, next weekend. So we're doing a a two-platform powerlifting strongman meet, which is something unique. Mm -hmm. Um, Static Monsters, not that big of an event, but that's fine. Um, Well, it is global technically. Yeah, it's going on all around the world Mm -hmm. the same day, which is cool. Um, and Rise of the Deadlift is the biggest we've had in years. Maybe. Yeah, it's V-large. I mean, it's uh, it's like 60-some lifters we have, and most people are doing both bench and deadlift. So we're, I mean, this probably is one of the biggest Rise of the Deadlift I personally have ever run. Um, our friends Irv and Leanne Demanski ran it a few times back in the, I want to say the early 2010s, and it was up to the, about the same amount, 60, 70 lifters. Clumber. So. Of, come on, Irv, yes, that, <laughs> who has now moved to central Illinois and I think is plausibly milking cows working on a farm. That's a rumor, mm, unconfirmed. Nice. nice. Um, we're working on the WPO semifinals. Speaking of the WPO, mm-hmm. um, uh, myself and Jackie Stone and Stace have and working on some sponsorship packages, so hopefully should have that info out soon. Um, have been working on the rise of the deadlift the last week or so. Um, well, I don't know. So yeah, working on that, and uh, that is probably about it that's going on with me. I'll probably have some more personal news at the next episode for yeah. something I have uh, something I have cooking up. But uh, even though I'm sure Jackie Stone probably won't listen to this episode before then, um, I will uh, we'll keep that under wraps for now. All right, keep the people in suspense, uh,
1: Bane. What have you got for your? Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> so apparently, our illustrious leader, forty six. Was getting some ice cream as the demented do. Uh, those with dementia it tends to help with uh, calming the the cerebral nerves, and was quoted as saying the economy has never been stronger. Interesting. Um, you know,
0: <laughs> I don't think you can place all the blame of the economy at the hands of the president because s- I do. I do think can't. that. I do think that COVID had a huge impact on that, and which. I think some of that you can place on the previous administration's handling of it. Some of it you can just place on the, how the world has handled it. And some of it's just, it just was what it was. And mostly we should place on China. Yes. The, a, lot of, a lot can be placed there. But uh, <laughs> to say that the economy has never been stronger is
1: as far from the truth as any statement could plausibly be. But see, I, th- I thought about it after like I was ma- helping with the notes and everything. I was like, no, he's not wrong. The economy has never been stronger. Now, what he means by that is the inflation in the economy has never been stronger than it is right now.
0: Inflation is so ridiculous. People, I don't think people to- truly realize how deep some of that runs and, like, and how many different areas. Like, and the tr- I don't think the trickle-down effect. You want to talk about trickle-down economy. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the trickle-down effect of inflation has not truly been felt yet.
1: No. That's and-
0: that's going to be that because that, like the secondary trickle-down
1: of inflation is going to be felt for the next 12 to 24 months. And and what's interesting is I'm hearing now rumblings of – and a lot of these are like internet talking heads, and and some are are, are the the more traditional uh, media talking heads, that the inflation numbers are muddled because really where all this inflation is coming from is from corporate profits. If you really do all the math around this, that somehow this quote-unquote 8% inflation (laughs) that we're experiencing – uh, at least fifty percent of that is corporate profits. I'm like interesting because if you listen to Wall Street, uh, they've been having, you know, quarterly earnings come out over the last few weeks, and everybody's getting dis- destroyed. So there's not corporate profits being reported, either A, they're being you know, not reported, always possible, or maybe the data's being manipulated. Now I know the government would never manipulate any data that we see, but just throwing it out. Wrong. There. Very wrong, very terrible. Stop the cow. So, yeah, the economy's never been stronger. Stone. What is your let's go, Brandon? <laughs> that was Levy. That was weak
0: sauce. <laughs> that was. But you only had one hand. I did. That's what she said. Um, you know, so Tulsi Gabbard is a politician whom I don't necessarily agree with all her positions, but as far as just like standing up for what she believes, I like I
1: totally love everything about her. I do appreciate that,
0: yeah. And, and like she is a veteran or, or if recently was still serving. She maybe is not serving anymore, but she was serving in her military. So I don't necessarily even agree with her. Uh, Wolly, all of her stances related to this issue I'm going to talk about, Mm -hmm. but I can respect that she seems to be resolute in her beliefs. And as of like, I don't know, like two years ago, three years ago, she was quote unquote, a rising star in the democratic party. Mm -hmm. And because she took the position that maybe we shouldn't be, like, our military shouldn't be, like, in every foreign country, you know, engaging themselves in war? Basically moving to a more nationalistic view. Right. That she was excommunicated and was said to be possibly Vladimir Putin's choice for president. And uh, by our, our former former nominee that was <laughs> thought she was going to be president... Uh, You know, said she might actually be a spy from Russia, like a plant. Wow! No, wow! Hillary
1: Clinton said that legitimately. Said that about Tulsi Gabbard. That fun fun fact: six years ago today, Hillary Clinton was showing leading the polls ninety-one to nine. Wow! (laughs) How'd that turn out?
0: Um, And she, Tulsi Gabbard, seems to be the only person, by the way, both establishment Republican or Democrat, that is calling just to end war. Like, why? I mean, why are we pushing? for plausibly nuclear war with Russia. Like, think about what it means to, quote, for... And you could say that Putin is terrible. It's mutually assured destruction. And factors. he's an asshole, and you could dislike everything about him. But think about what it means if Putin, quote, loses. Like, what if he's not in charge of Russia anymore? Who takes his place? Mm-hmm. Who's to say they're not worse? And who's to say that worse person might not put their finger on the, you know, nuclear button uh, on the, and... On the big red button, yeah. And make things discernibly worse so uh, my props to Tulsi Gabbard for being one of the few politicians that say like maybe we should look out like what's the best interest for America and related to all these wars why are we sending billions of dollars to Ukraine which I have no issues with Ukraine but like we have plenty money of money finan-
1: laundering blackmail duh.
0: we have plenty of financial issues here in the United States like I don't know uh securing the border Putting a secure. How about we take How, about of those- we, how about we take care of the homeless? How about we take care of those who have? Uh- how about how about homeless vets? Yeah, homeless veterans that went to some of these, I would say, useless wars in Middle Eastern countries that we fought for twenty plus years. Um, I don't know. We could do something for them. Uh, we could maybe place a veteran secure armed security guard in every school if we're worried about school shootings. So. There's a lot of ways we could spend billions of dollars that doesn't involve sending heavy military equipment to other foreign countries. No citizen should have guns, but we
1: should arm an entire country to protect itself. Right. Perfect.
0: All right, enough politics. <laughs> we're we're going to move on. We've both ranted enough about that. So yeah. Jackie Stone was, or the others that don't like politics, was just hitting the 30 seconds button. Yep. You can stop now. That's, that's okay. Little well, Nicky's not going to listen this anyway. So. Yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to our hot topic. Mm -hmm. um the ipf's new bench rules have been released since our last episode and so i i'm gonna read a uh synopsis of them because it was very hard to actually get into their rule book you have to like go to a pdf and then it's not very clear Mm. because why would anything in the ipf be very clear um just listen to what we say obey bend the knee so two new rules for the bench in the ipf first during the setup on the bench The athlete is not allowed to place his or her or Zer feet on the bench. Well, they they don't do that. They don't allow. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Uh, The lifter must lower the bar to the chest or abdominal area, whereby the underside of the elbow joint is level with or below the top of the shoulder joint. Hmm. So basically... Elbow depth. Kind of what you described, Mr. Bain, a couple episodes ago about elbow depth is ostensibly what they came up with. Mm-hmm. The the bottom of the elbow, the bottom of the crook of the elbow, has to at least be level or below the top of the shoulder. And so they're basically trying to limit the extreme arches, small range of motion benches. So for the 17 people that can fucking do that. Uh, right. There's really not that many of them. Yeah. And... and I guess I would say if that's the only people that affects, like, okay. Uh, I don't know. Thoughts, Mr. Payne?
1: This is all big stupid. It's very small brain activity. The people that think this is a good idea, the same people think the strippers actually like them. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And if you disagree with me, go fuck yourself. The no feet on the bench rule is just dumb.
0: Like, I don't understand that. Like, why am I, like, now maybe this is just, I'm just biased because that's something I teach to, to new lifters, like, every day. Like, that's just how I have people set up their bench. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the best way to lock in your traps onto the bench, lock in your shoulders, and get, you know, a good positioning for your shoulders. Right. Um, I guess I kind of get where they're going with the, quote, elbow depth. Um, You know, it's great for memes and for people making fun of it. It seems like, as a whole, most of the Internet loves this rule. Most power
1: lifters hate this rule the internet is dumb one and the only the only people that like this rule are not people that actually count or set real records or actually fucking lift competitively if they do lift in a competition <clears throat> they're local lifters who will tell all their fucking coworkers about their state record deadlifts that they got in these submasters 2 for police and fire go fuck yourself
0: um you know the devil is going to be in the details on how they actually enforce it like here's the thing. Just thinking about it from a judging perspective, you could easily see this as a head judge. Mm -hmm. You could also easily see it as a side judge. If it is blatant, like Mm -hmm. if it is one of those one percenter benches where the lifter unracks the bar, barely does a shoulder bend and elbow shrug and presses it up. So for those like five out of, you know, 10,000 benches, the
1: 17 people, right in the fucking world.
0: For those people. Now it, it might affect them, um, I, I've watched some videos of some bigger people, some bigger lifters, which is one of our concerns. I don't think I've seen anybody yet that would get truly red-lighted, like Blaine Sumner posted a video of himself, mm-hmm. and he said he believes he, and he has, not only is he an
1: extraordinarily large person, but not, he... Not as much anymore. He must have taken down the chicken shake uh, regiment.
0: Yeah, you know, less chicken shakes. Yep. Um, But when he was at his peak chicken shaking, yes, he was also not only a large person, but had a Pretty good arch for a yeah, big dude. Absolutely. So he his range of motion was less, but I still
1: think he would have been adherent with the, the letter of this rule. The, this rule is is going to do a couple of things. It's it just continues to drive home this idea that people leveraging the rules are somehow cheating, or it, it gives just more and more credence to how can we further divide powerlifting up. It's just, it's, a, it's arbitrary, it's dumb. Because here's, here's the thing. The IPF, they've continually, continuously stated their goal is to be a part of the Olympics. The IOC has told them, you will never be a part of us. They said it in no uncertain terms. You're not going to be, because too much of powerlifting. How many federations out there are untested? A significant amount. So why on earth do we suddenly think, oh, this is the one that's, that definitely gets it right? It absolutely doesn't. They literally kicked out the largest federation in the in the world, national federation, for questions about drug testing. What it, you're not going to get to the Olympics. Why are you making this rule? You think it's going to make things better for the general public? No, the general doesn't fucking care. Conspiracy, which, which is what we're going to talk about here soon. Conspiracy
0: theory from, from and then not really conspiracy theory, but insight from Priscilla Rubric online talked about how. So not from the shape shifting lizards who run our media. Correct. Got it. Um, how. Some on the IPF executive committee's records have been broken by lifters that have very small range of motion benches.
1: Small total energy. And
0: then all of a sudden, they have to change the rule because they lost their world records.
1: Oh, so sad. But you take blue pills too, you fucking bitch. Not you, Brazil. It's aimed at those
0: who change the records. So there you go. There's the IPF new bench rules. They did come out with it. I, I will have to say I do think That probably isn't as strict as it could have been, like, you know, elbow breaking 90, elbow breaking the top of the bench pad. But I was going to say, I think the head judge could call it, even if it's
1: close. You've got three points that judge has to look for now.
0: But as a side judge, it's going to be almost impossible to truly see this and see the bar path and see the touch point and see the butt on the bench. And so unless it's blatant, if you're truly watching
1: everything you're supposed to be watching, I don't see how you could call this if it's close. But to be fair, I watch enough IPF highlights uh, you know asking is this a good lift or not that they give no lift to. So I don't think they're watching anything anyway. So I,
0: and they they don't move in their chair.
1: No. So it's it's the throne and
0: so IPF's I case. guess it's possible that they'll enforce it very strictly mm-hmm. and benches that probably are good are gonna get red lighted. And if that's how it works, it's gonna be very bad for a lot of people. If it's, it's only be the what? very bad If it's only going to be the blatant ones, then I guess I'm okay with that. But I I guess I don't really care what the IPF does. And if anybody's asking, no, the APF is not changing their bench rules. Oh, got it. Let's go back to our. Let's go now to our Plusa Throwback. 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 All the way back to April 1990. Nice. Uh, What were you doing in April
1: 1990, Mister Bain? Well, I would have been in second grade. This would have been my first tryout for travel soccer. Nobody cares about soccer. Correct. Nothing. Honestly, though, nothing will ever beat the first time that you screamed that in the back of the studio here. Nothing ever beats that soundbite. <laughs> it's, it's just fucking I, classic. I should try to find which episode that is and just pull that specific exactly, soundbite. Just bite. fucking pull it because it, it is fucking hysterical. Like, <laughs> like you did it, and I, I, I it was not planned. I don't know if you were actually upset or you were just yelling, but it was no. like, it sounds like you're actually upset. Like, stop fucking talking about it.
0: No, I, it, it was definitely a shtick. It was yeah. not, I was not it was, upset.
1: Oh, no, but it was great. It's perfect. Yeah. It's fucking hysterical. Oh, yeah. So first travel tryout. Uh, the second time in my soccer career, I was told that I should not play anymore because I will never mount to anything in the sport. Wow. Yep. First, oh. first time was my very first season. I'm five years old. The coach told me to my face. He, then he told my parents. What? <laughs> He's such an asshole. Uh, so, Sorry put a pin in that uh, for a second. So my first coach, five years old, playing the soccer. And I just, I'm just having fun. I'm just enjoying this like new sport. Well, where we first play of all, you're feet. five. Yeah. So I don't know how anybody can make any determination about
0: anything when you're five.
1: As he tells me, he's like, you are the worst player I've ever seen. You should never play again. Like seriously. And, and I thought he was kidding. And my dad was like, what's going on? And coach gross tells him that. And, and I, and I say all this for a reason. I still call him coach gross to this day. Um, my dad's like, okay, well, um, fuck you, and we'll find a different coach for next year. So I did take a year off because it did, like once my parents explained that he wasn't kidding, I was pretty upset. But what was cool is that that did fuel me quite a bit as far as like learning just how to get better. So when I signed my letter of intent uh, my senior year, we would always go home to Virginia uh, during the summer. And so between my f- senior and uh, freshman year of college, I went back, I found him. He was an insurance agent, and I went to his office, and I'm like, you don't remember who I am, and I slammed the <laughs> letter of Tent down on his desk, and I'm like, this doesn't happen if it's not for you, so I have to say thank you and go fuck yourself. Very good. You're still angry about that, Mr. Bain. Yeah, but, I mean, to be fair, it's fueled a lot of success in the athletic realm, so I can't necessarily be what that you were told as a fucking five-year-old? <laughs> Get over it.
0: It's, like I, it's funny because my wife Jackie told me a story. God, God <laughs> forgives, I don't. Not that long ago about something that happened when she was in her sorority in college. Mm-hmm. And I could tell she was, like, still getting upset about it. And I'm yep. like, Jackie, like, it's all done. Yeah. That was 20 years ago. Bane? It's 35 years this ago. This was 35 years ago. You were five years old, and yep. he was a volunteer coach in a park district league. Yep. Like, it's all right. It's it's all good. You played
1: soccer for a while. Yeah.
0: Hey, and nobody cares about soccer! <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Stone, what were you doing in <laughs> April 1990?
0: <1990. laughs> Ironically, I was probably playing soccer. No one cares. <laughs> uh, I would have been seven in first grade. And my first grade teacher was Miss, Mrs. Wrinkle, to which my grandma, who was probably the nicest person you will ever meet in your entire life, mm-hmm. asked me, does she have a lot of wrinkles? Which, <laughs> as, a, as a first grader, made me laugh. And then my grandma was like, oh, that was really yeah, mean. No, no, don't say that. That was really mean. I shouldn't have said that. But it was funny.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, no one cares about soccer. <laughs> What was going on in
0: the world in April 1990? I remember this. News April 1st, 1990. Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania. Six.
1: Skydome. It's supposed to be a. I remember the advertisement for this. They advertise it on WrestleMania 5. So we're talking a year in advance. Uh huh. They're talking about this. And it's going to be the Toronto Skydome. 100,000 screaming fans. Because they were planning on breaking the record, they said, at the Silver Dome. Sure. In Detroit at WrestleMania three.
0: Which I think was also inflated. Uh, I think
1: so too. That, that was like ninety three thousand and that for those who don't remember, that is the famous video of Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant. Hogan claims that Andre probably weighed closer to seven hundred pounds during that. But why wouldn't you claim that when you body slam him? Oh, well, of course. I mean um, But that's... he but he did tear his lat when he body slammed him. Wow. Yeah. Uh fun fact. Um, yeah, they ended up having sixty thousand people at that. But that was one of the best matches I've ever watched.
0: And it's crazy because like in general, and we'll get into a little wrestling. And if you don't
1: like wrestling, hit your thirty seconds forward mark. No, you, you're going to fucking sit through this, and you're going to learn something
0: today. <laughs> I I would say in general, the Ultimate Warrior does not usually have very good matches. Not a very good technical wrestler. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan has had good matches. He can trend towards like the Ric Flair, like doing the same match over and over again, mm-hmm. the same shticks. But like you know. I, Honestly, like one of his best, ma- and, and and this one was very good too. Like the match with the Macho Man yep. at WrestleMania Five was yep. really good. Now, mach- Macho Man was an excellent technical wrestler, but neither Hulk nor Ultimate Warrior, great technical wrestlers, no. To me, this was plausibly Ultimate Warrior's best match from a technical perspective. I,
1: I am inclined to agree. Both of them, like from a showman perspective, they were on their shit, and the the, and the, cr- the crowd played into it. Great, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's it's rare that you get a face versus face match. Sure. where someone doesn't turn. And,
0: and uh, that crowd, I mean, uh, you've seen, have you seen the Rock Hogan match from yep. WrestleMania 17? Yep. Like, same thing, like the crowd unbelievable. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. And makes the match. So I think that was part of it. But uh, I think that was a match where the Ultimate Warrior was prepared mm-hmm. and, and, you know, did a good job. But Ultimate Warrior, not my favorite guy. Did, I like Hulk. Did a little less coke. Yeah, I like Hulk. Um, I'm not as big on the Ultimate Warrior, but that wasn't, that maybe my favorite Ultimate Warrior match of matches that, Many of which were not very
1: good. Yeah, correct. It was just sprint out, shake the ropes, super slam, piece out of out here.
0: I, I kind of liked when he did that to the Honky Talk Man. Oh, that I, was dope. I Because I that. really did, did not and do not like the Honky Talk Man. Um, kind of a dick in, in real life as well, from what I understand. Yeah. So,
1: another wrestling thing. I, uh, not sure if you've ever watched, but the Bobby Heenan Hall of Fame induction speech, one of the best, like, one comedy bits I've ever heard. He's really fucking funny because, like, his character is a piece of shit. Sure.
0: But. Oh, I loved Bobby Heenan on Heel Commentary. You know, they tried to do, like, the Bobby – because he was so good at comedy. Mm-hmm. That for a while, they tried to do the Bobby Heenan show as the last 30 minutes of yeah. primetime wrestling. Yep. And USA Network got pissed because they're like, "Uh, this is supposed to be wrestling. Why are you doing a late-night talk show with Bobby Heenan?
1: Because people fucking loved it. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it's I, I highly recommend it. It's, like, 23 minutes long, but he talks about, like – Grown up here in Chicago like i guess he grew up like around Park Ridge. Yes. Um South Sider. Yeah, and like he he really like he quit quit high school, they graduated high school and pursued this wrestling stuff and and it's it's really cool like uh, kind of how he came up and then the way he signs off with uh with saying, you know, about uh, Gorilla Monsoon who was his off-screen best friend. It's very emotional to really it's it's cool to watch. So anyway, not wrestling. April
0: 7th, Farmade concert 4 <laughs> Um, and I'm told that hardly any of that money actually made it to any farming. Yeah. No. As a lot of those, like, you know, giant charity mm-hmm. uh, type of things. Um, April 20th, Pete Rose pleads guilty to hiding 300k in income. Hmm. Pete Rose banned from Major League Baseball at a time when they literally are taking money from organized betting, online yes. betting. Correct. And, like, I think it's like Cincinnati Red Stadium is going to have, like, a kiosk mm-hmm. for betting in the stadium. Yes. Correct. But Pete Rose is banned. For life. For life. Yes. Ridiculous. Yeah. The best, the best hitter in the history of Major League Baseball.
1: But he bet on games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. He, he served enough punishment at this point, my opinion. Pa- apparently not in baseball's opinion, but whatever. Top movies of hmm. April 1990. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Such a good movie. Awesome movie. Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. Hunt for an October. Also uh, an awesome movie. Big fan.
1: Ernest Goes to Jail. Loved it when I was a kid. The director's cut's a lot funnier. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There, there's an almost rape scene in that one. Yikes. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh,
0: the first power, which I never heard, ne- of. Never heard of. So, uh, On the cover of this Powerlifting USA, mm-hmm. um, we had Joe Rayner at the 1990 USPF, quote, natural nationals. Natty dats And if you weren't familiar, at this time you can go back to our drug testing and powerlifting episode the USPF was kind of playing hokey-pokey with drug testing at their meets. Like, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> some people Hokies. some, some people were uh, – some meets were drug tested. Some weren't. Like the, the lifters that went to the IPF Worlds were maybe drug tested. Um, so this was like a, a drug-tested nationals run by Rich Peters. Um, Joe Rayner competed from 87 all the way up to 2002 – At the 1990 Natural Nationals, he did a 651 pound squat, Mm a 418 pound bench, and a 639 pound deadlift at 220 single ply. Nice. Um, Although at that time, I'm not sure there were bench shirts. His best lifts ever in competition were a 738 squat, 556 pound deadlift, 666 pound deadlift, and 1895 total at 220. So, pretty good lifter. Yeah. Um, Results from the uh, 1990 USPF Natural Nationals, which was February 22nd through 25th, 1990, in Reno, uh, New York, mm-hmm. and featured the the, oh. the very infamous picture, which I will post on our Instagram. Which I don't like seeing injury, but this is a, an infamous picture, mm-hmm. which has been posted on powerlifting uh, for a long time, and it is a it was a guy uh, Carmen Perota who uh, apparently his right leg snapped without warning, and then the bar is literally pinned between his knee and the break in his lower leg. And his head. And his head, yes. Uh, It's ridiculous, um, but apparently just snapped. Um, There was talk that maybe he had a stress fracture in it. Um, He obviously walked it out because this was before the days of monoliths. Yes. Um, It's a very awful picture. I don't really like looking at it. Oh, it's rough. Um, The meet was run by Rich... The meet was run by Rich Peters, um, who had already started NASA at this point, but was running for USPF president and said at some point, NASA may become affiliated with the USPF. Um, and he said he would forego the USPF's president's salary. There was a long soliloquy, which I didn't really go into in our notes, but mm-hmm. from Conrad Cotter, mm-hmm. the current USPF president, who was in opposition to Rich Peters. And he had this long thing about how like people that are financially... Invested in powerlifting, shouldn't be serving on the board. And obviously Rich Peters then and now runs a lot of meets and basically makes his living from powerlifting. Um, But I think... People have to run meets, and, like, if you don't make money on meets, then they're not going to run why them. Why the fuck are you running it? Right. This was apparently touted at the time as the, quote, world's largest meet with 340 lifters. How many times have we heard that? <laughs> 60 to 70 lifters were polygraph tested, which was the... Oh, yes, yes. Which was the drug testing of choice. and like, as, I, as was the style at the time. I guess, like, it would depend on what question you ask.
1: Like, you know, like, have you taken drugs today? Yeah, or, like, have you ever taken Anavar? I don't know what that is. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: there was ADF. Now, there's various state records, but there was the ADFPA, Illinois state records. And for those that don't know, the ADFPA would eventually become the USAPL. Dumb. Um, so the state records at this time, um, it's interesting because the super heavyweight and 275 records are lower definitively than the 242 records Mm. jay clay is the top lifter of all in illinois at this time with a 782 squat a 485 pound bench a 771 pound deadlift good for a 2039 pound total um mike bridges was top of the 181s um and he across the board he's probably the the strongest pound for pound lifter on this list with 750 pound squat 451-pound bench, 738-pound deadlift, 1895-pound total. Good for, uh, you know, best of the 181s. 1895-pound mm. total at 181, single ply. Um, probably no bench shirt back in those days. Probably not. Very tight T-shirt. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was your Illinois state records all the way back in 1990 from what would become the USAPL. Um, the top 20... 148s across the whole U.S. from February 89 to January 1990. Jay Jackson topped the squat with a 688-pound squat. Tony Conyers, 640s number two. Um, a. Poku with a 435-pound bench. Dan Austin topped the deadlift 700. And wow. Dan Austin topped the total um, with a 1681. But... A 700 pound deadlift at 148. I mean, it's very impressive. And it, I mean, from from number one to number 10, it goes from 700 down to 575. Jesus. So that shows you the, just, you know, the How drop far off. Ahead? I mean, it's 700, 694. Jay Malone, also very good. Jay Jackson, 617, but then it goes to 600. Tony Conyers, 600. You know, there's a bunch of people in the like mid to upper 500s, mm-hmm. but like there's. Five lifters, six hundred above, and obviously one person, seven hundred. I mean yeah. that—that's impressive. I don't care who you are. Um, Not of course your weight either, but seven hundred pound 148. deadlift,
1: yeah. One forty-eight. That's a very impressive deadlift.
0: There was a full-page ad, which I think we've we've maybe looked at before, but it's always mm. good to review. Full-page ad from Ernie Franz. Mm-hmm. Um, you could get a Franz bench shirt in polyester or denim for thirty-five dollars. Um, Interesting. I don't bring back some Franz pricing for. for Yeah, seriously. The Franz wraps were $9 a pair. Jesus Christ. Um, let's see. Deadlift shoes, $4. Uh, I don't see his squat suit on here, which is interesting. He has a bench suit, which I assume is a singlet, Mm $29, um, power belts, $35. Um, yeah, it's interesting that he doesn't. Oh, okay. It is at the top. It's a bigger area. the, world-famous Franz custom-made squat suits, only $35. Jesus. Um, and I believe that's only in polyester at that point. But he had denim and polyester bench shirts all the way back at that, wow. at that time frame, which wow. is interesting. Um, there was an advertisement for the Illinois Senior State Championships, which were to be held April 29th, 1990, in Mundelein, Illinois, mm-hmm. run by Phil Wise. Not a not a name I know. Um, we have a couple readers' opinions, which... I thought I'd just read, not that people necessarily want to hear me read, but I just thought these were interesting letters to the editor. Mm-hmm. Um, first one interesting, as an APF WPC lifter, from Benjamin Jaffe, we would like to know why the IPF is banning lifters, platform managers, etc., for participating in a WPC competition. What are they afraid of? Not that the Israeli Powerlifting Federation was considering affiliating with the IPF. Uh, we compete a- WPC-APF, the lifters organization. In fact, the IPF representative here in Israel, obviously lifters from Israel, has never put on a power meet or, as far as we know, even participated in one in any capacity. Hmm. So it speaks to the, you know, high-horsedness of the IPF not even necessarily being lifters. Exactly. Now, this one goes back to our talk about the whole rift between Conrad Cotter and Rich Peters. Mm-hmm. This is from Toby Johnson. For almost one year, there's been an ongoing, quote, feud, unquote, between Dr. Conrad Cotter and Mr. Rich Peters. I feel this situation has been to the detriment of the USPF and its lifters. I realize that Rich Peters has made many mistakes. We also attest to this. And at times, his paperwork for the USPF has been negligent. However, Dr. Cotter has said that Mr. Peters' main interest is not in the sport or the lifter, but mainly making a living from the sport. Granted, he does make his living from powerlifting, but if you do to the betterment of the sport, who would begrudge him a living? There are others who fall in the same category, to name a few. Ricky Crane, George Zengas, who made Marathon, mm-hmm. and Larry Pacifico. I am disturbed by the procedure by which Rich was removed as treasurer. A number of the executive committee members absent USPF lawyers voting on such matters, etc. Dr. Cotter has a proud effect on the USPF. He has done his job and done it well. We applaud his efforts and realize he should be highly commended. But it appears his judgment to come clouded, and it is time for a change. This is not intended to be for or against either the, quote, feuding factions, but I do realize it seems to it it seems to lean for Rich Peters. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Yep. Let us all work together to find a solution to pro- our problem instead of expending our energies, creating new problems. Rich Peters has offered to be on the podcast. He is the guy who started NASA. He also recommended that I... Uh, like nominate him to be part of the powerlifting hall of fame, which I'm not sure why he thinks like I would be the person to do that or that I have any input on that. Um, But he's an interesting character in powerlifting. He's been around for a very long time. He's around before this. He's been running meets legitimately now for 40 years. Wow. Um, He probably runs a meet every weekend, every year. Jesus. So he's probably put on, I I mean, mean, let's thousand plus meets at this point. Yeah. And sometimes dual meets on the weekend. So uh, he does a lot of meets and areas with NASA that, like, don't, underserved or not. don't otherwise get meats. Yeah. So um, that is all for our uh, Palooza throwback, Mr. Bain. Uh, a lot of stuff going on back in the early 90s. Yeah. So let's move on to our topic at hand for the day. <laughs> Making powerlifting mainstream. Sure. Quote. So we asked this question to almost all of our interviewees. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, what would it take to make powerlifting mainstream? Sometimes we ask, like, you know, what would it take for... The top lifters to make a living at the sport, which is maybe how we have sort of defined it as mm-hmm. mainstream, do we even want that. Because yeah. what we've asked a lot of interviewees, and most of them have had input on like what it would take to make powerlifting bigger. Mm-hmm. And some have had some opinions on whether it should be mainstream. Most have said kind of yes. but uh,
1: Dan Bell was a resounding no. Yeah, but he also would like to make money on the sport. Uh, absolutely. But, so, he, but I, think, I mean, we're going to touch on some of this because I think we feel similarly to his reason for now. Sure.
0: So let's start. There's three questions here. What does it mean to be mainstream? Mm -hmm.
1: What would it take to be more mainstream? Do we even want powerlifting to be mainstream? I think these are all, I I think these are important because I think this also affects how people make decisions on either what meets they're going to do or kind of how they conduct themselves in the powerlifting community. Because as of now, because we are not a mainstream, we are in this sport, it is a community. It absolutely is. And so what exactly do we to be mainstream? I think we, we touch on <clears throat> you know, having a TV broadcast, which, you know, like the World's Strongest Man, which, by the way, they don't show that just uncut. And that's what I think is interesting is a lot of people say, well, it's, you know, power is not very, you know, viewer friendly. You're not wrong. It's not. But showing a meat uncut makes it even worse.
0: Sure. Uh, for reference, the World's Strongest Man contest takes place over two days. Mm-hmm. And it is very slow-moving, even compared to a normal Strongman meet. Oh, yeah. They reset things between takes. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's essentially takes. I mean, the World's Strongest Man is a TV production. Absolutely, it is. And it is a contest. I'm not saying it's rigged or, like, the the winners are predetermined. I don't know that. Maybe they are. um, But it is a TV production first and a Strongman contest second. Correct. So let's go into what it would mean to be mainstream. First, I would say... To have a TV broadcast of powerlifting, like World's Strongest Man, mm-hmm. well, we've had that. We've had that. We've had the Baddest Bencher that was on, like, ESPN two. Yeah. We've had the WPO on ESPN three. There have been some regional ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so there and, has and been.
1: You, and you go, you go way back. I mean, you've had uh, you know Budweiser presented the Hawaii Record Breakers. I mean, this is way way back. I mean, we talk about in the eighties, where uh,
0: in some previous episodes in our Palooza Throwbacks, mm-hmm. where there was a forty fifty thousand dollar line item for. TV production from ABC Wide World of Sports, yeah, yeah. as part of the USPF budget, um, they were counting on that and took loans mm-hmm. based on that projected income, and it didn't come in. Um, it, the question when you talk about being on TV is TV the future, or will streaming soon take over? My prediction, and I'm no prognosticator, I would say. In our lifetime, there will be no regular broadcast TV anymore. It will change. Just like before there was TV or before there was cable, there was, you know, just over-the-air, you know, uh, antenna TV. I don't
1: think it will ever go away because, I mean, over-the-air radio still is around. Sure. But But it will be nowhere near the powerful medium that it is today.
0: You could be right, um, and maybe it will get to that point where there's just the free channels that you can get from a digital antenna. Mm Mm-hmm. And then everything else is streaming. But I, uh, l- l- maybe cable TV will not be what it is.
1: I am inclined to agree with that.
0: So uh, that, that's maybe one thing that people define as being mainstream. Mm-hmm. So another would be have enough prize money so that lifters can make a living on the sport. And I think that's an important piece to, to really consider. So the questions I would have surrounding that is would this prize money come just for meets? Would that money, would their income mm-hmm. come for meets? Would it come from sponsorship deals? Would it come from both? Both. So you think about, say, your pro athletes, Mm -hmm. current pro athletes in current sports. Yep. Most of them make a healthy income off of the salary they earn from the team. Correct. But a lot of them also earn maybe as big of, if not a bigger income, from sponsorship, from TV endorsement deals, Mm -hmm. from commercials, from, you know, Endorsements, just pure endorsements of products from For, radio.
1: Forbes just released uh, today, actually, their top 10 highest paid NBA players, combined salary and endorsement deals. Between 10 guys, it's $751 million. Uh, LeBron James had the had the most. He had, uh, I want to say it was like a $38 million annual salary and then $80 million in endorsements. So he's making more from
0: sponsorship uh, endorsements,
1: correct, correct? And then auxiliary as, income. Yeah, and then Steph Curry, similar numbers, but he was like ninety-five million, but like the ratio was was similar. And then it went down from there, and guys were making essentially the same on their salary and endorsements, but still their salaries are thirty-five million dollars, so they're not struggling to pay the light bill by any stretch.
0: Sure, uh, but there was, there's often talk of like, hey, how can we get more prize money for meats? Mm-hmm. At, at what point, you know? Will there be lifters that can monetize themselves and just earn money off of themselves?
1: Yeah, and, and like some, some do, whether it's their, you know, their discount code. Like, uh, I was approached about that actually earlier this week where – and it was not like a weird bot where it's was like, hey, we'll give you a code and then, you know, hopefully something happens. They actually walked through, like, what the, the compensation structure was like. It still wasn't something that really fit, like, what I was looking for. Sure. But it was like, I mean, they, they had the dollar amounts. It wasn't like percentages or wasn't like, it was an actual, you know, paid for contract. And that's the way it needs to get to. But again, you're looking at the, the amount it takes to make an actual living, especially right now. You know, I know we joked about the inflation stuff before, but it's not going to be $5,000. That's not going to cut. Sure. It needs to be at least three times as big.
0: Sure. Well, to make, <laughs> to make a living
1: off of it, I'd say it needs to be 10 times as big. Uh, yeah, bad Zoolander reference. But. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> the third component to me to be mainstream would be have broad-based public knowledge of the sport. That is a challenge. And, and, that, and again, we're talking about being mainstream, mm-hmm. quote-unquote. This, to me, is probably the most difficult because the general public is generally not very smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could walk down the street today and ask 10 people, Who's the Vice President of the United States, the second most important you know uh, you know, especially currently right now, mm-hmm. like a heartbeat away from being the President of the United States, being the the leader of the free world, and eight out of ten wouldn't know I would say half, but eight out of ten is maybe. Um, if you ask the general public what powerlifting is, I do think more is that where you
1: put weights over your head.
0: yeah, I do think more people will know what it is now than when I started. Most would think it's either A, Olympic lifting, Mm -hmm. B, bodybuilding, Mm -hmm. C, CrossFit, or D, strongman.
1: Is that where you pull the trucks? No.
0: Right. So to be fair, most people don't know a lot about anything. Correct. And so to be like, hey, we want the general public to know what this niche sport is. And if you ask people like, of the strength sports, which one do you think is the most Mm well-known? I I think – objectively Strongman is the most well-known and probably has, but probably has the lowest participation rate of any of the strength sports I listed.
1: I would I would agree uh, definitely on the participation. I, th- I think CrossFit probably is more well-known, both good and bad. I would say CrossFit is well-known for the workout and the places,
0: mm-hmm. less so than the sport. Like there is, the, I think people, I, I think if you ask the average person, what is CrossFit? They'd be like, oh, well, that's like a gym, Right. They wouldn't necessarily say CrossFit competition ever. Possible, would. Possibly, yeah. So, in strongman, and, I think that was
1: our, our view is probably pretty skewed since most people that we associate with are athletes of some some sort.
0: Sure, when strongman, they would be like, "Oh yeah, that's thing on ESPN, mm-hmm. right?" Where that's they the like, mountain, right? Where they like, yeah, where they like, where they lift stones and mm-hmm. they pull trucks, right? And so, of the strength of like of all the strength sports, you know, um, we'll include in there. I don't know what are other strength sports you got: bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman, CrossFit. We'll include in there. And then you got
1: some other, like, very niches, like, maz Wrestling or, like... Uh, Highland Games. Highland Games, Arm Wrestling, you know... Sure. Grip, grip strength, strict curling, like... So, of maybe the,
0: like, I, I don't know, would we consider powerlifting, Olympic lifting, bodybuilding, CrossFit, and strongman, like, the big five of strength sports? Essentially. I, I mean, participation-wise, that I do actually do competitions probably strongman's the lowest. I'm going to guess. I'm I'm going to agree with that. I don't know that 100%. I mean, there's been times when Olympic lifting was 100% the lowest, but, like, with the advent of CrossFit, you do have a lot of Mm -hmm. more people that are crossover into that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, if you do the CrossFit Open, if you include that, obviously CrossFit's the biggest, although Mm -hmm. they don't even necessarily pay to do that other than, like, being a part of the local box. Yeah. Um, But... You know, I would argue that powerlifting probably is more mainstream than it has been in many years. Um, I would say it's mostly due to the influence of social media. That and, certainly helps. And meets are bigger than they've ever have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, what power? What sports? Strength sports are quote currently mainstream. And, yeah. and again, I think strongman and CrossFit, maybe bodybuilding, all of those are
1: still niche sports. Correct. And, and here's the thing: strongman, while Maybe the most popular of these, it still is the extreme. Like one of the things I always heard about, and we don't listen in here necessarily, is well, you want power to be relatable. Like like people are like the, one of the complaints on multiply is it's not relatable. Is lifting trucks and lifting up giant stones relatable? Exactly. It's not. But again, it's the it's the extreme of everything, right? right? Which one of the reasons why I love multiply is because it is the extreme of of powerlifting. It's Versus these, Raw lifting is definitively not extreme. Like no. It, it you, like, can go, you can go see a raw lifter at, I mean, you can go see in your high school. You can see it at your middle school gym.
0: I mean, literally, you could take a, and I'm not saying this is necessarily and inherently a bad thing. No, no not at all. But you could take a grandma and have her enter a powerlifting meet. Mm-hmm. Like, if no underlying health conditions, like, my wife has a, has her first client, and she is a an older female who mm-hmm. competed in bodybuilding years and years ago and would like to now compete in powerlifting. And, you know... She's the age where she could be grandma. I don't know if she is or not. Yeah. But, like, she could compete in a powerlifting meet. Absolutely. She could never do a strongman contest. No. She She could probably never do Olympic lifting. Most likely couldn't do CrossFit. More likely not. So, but she could do a raw powerlifting contest, especially if it's just bench and deadlift. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, hey, my special needs kids, mm-hmm. my, our special Olympians, they can do bench and deadlift. And that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. That's one of the great things about powerlifting. But... Does that make it more mainstream? It makes it makes more mainstream participation wise. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to our first two things: a broadcast, um, some kind of online streaming broadcast, prize money, like public knowledge. I think those things come from
1: it being more of a viewing product, correct? Being, versus the participation, because people right. love watching football. Most people do not want to participate in it. Definitely
0: not. Now they maybe did it in high school. Or they may did in middle school, or they may did Pop Warner, but like nobody over the well, I shouldn't say nobody, there are very few people over the age of twenty that participate in football. Correct. Or want to. Like, I loved playing football when I was a kid. I don't want to play it anymore. No, no fucking thanks. Yeah. Jury's out on me. Wow. (laughs) Um so uh, you know, you you know, you got Olympic lifting, which is decently well known, but I, I mean Olympic lifting is definitely not mainstream. No, no. Like it is a only probably what, like, if you took it out of the Olympics, it would disintegrate and die. Absolutely it would. And it's only known because it is in the Olympics. Correct. Like, it is Olympic weightlifting. Even though the, the sport is technically weightlifting, mm-hmm. it is essentially known as Olympic lifting or Olympic weightlifting. But it's because, clean and pure. because it is in the Olympics. <laughs> so that's, that, that's the first question is, what yep. does it mean to be mainstream? Yep. Uh, to me, it's some kind of broadcast. It's money
1: in the sport. Mm-hmm. And it's knowledge. And, it, and it's, again, when you talk about money in the sport, it's not, uh, you know, $100 prize or a $500 gift certificate. It is it is money where the, I don't want to say life-changing, but the I don't know, I have a better way to put it. It is big checks. It is It is money. your job as powerlifting. Correct. Like participating you, in powerlifting. Participating in powerlifting is your career. And then there may be ancillary money outside of that. Right.
0: So Moving on. The next question is, what would it take to be more or to be mainstream? Investment. So like, the f- the first is you need major corporation sponsorship of Meats and Lifters. Correct. And it um, we're not talking about, and I, and I think all these companies are great, and I hope if they'd like to sponsor the WPO semis, I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. But companies, or sponsor the podcast. Right. But companies like Enzer, companies like Overkill, companies mm-hmm. like Anderson, companies yeah. like Titan, companies like Pioneer. Yeah. Um. Uh, any others that sponsor powerlifting meets that I, I, you know, those are the ones that come to Sportcraft. Sportcraft, sponsor. Kabuki, you've got uh, Stoic, you've got Iron Rebel. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of them that are out there. Yeah, that put actual money towards mm-hmm. events. Exactly. Um, you know, Sportcraft sponsored APF Nationals. Yeah. Uh, we've had uh, we've had Captain Jack a number of years ago. There was yeah. a supplement company that sponsored APF Nationals. Like, put actual money towards sponsorship. But in order for it to be mainstream to get to where we need to go for to have the money to do a broadcast or to okay. have somebody do the broadcast to or for there to be prize money for lifters. Well, first there has to be like major, major corporation investment. Mm-hmm. And for them to do that, there has to be a return on that investment. Right. Like They have to see a benefit to investing in the sport. Yep. Um, I mean, we've talked about Mondelez, and we've talked. I mean, Band is eating Sour Patch Kids right now. Damn right. Um, we've talked about the the parent company Abbott yep. for uh, Pedialyte. Mm-hmm. I think there, there's the plausibility of return on investment there. I think there's there's untapped return on investment now that,
1: like, we're we're supporting those companies without any support from us. Correct. And, and there's there's other ways to go too. I mean, you look at. I mean, there could be someone who you know like. Uh, What's the one of the mail order, not mail order, but the uh, the meat companies that you can just get like, like straight from the farmers that you can get, uh, but uh, Butcher Box. Sure. You know, a lot of us eat a lot a lot of protein, a lot of a lot of animals. That there is an option. I always look at it too. Is it doesn't have to be something that is like directly tied to the sport. It's nice because I I think about this. Professional cornhole bags, if you want to call it that, but if you call that, you're wrong. Professional cornhole. They had their world championships earlier this year. you know what the prize purse for that was? I do not. $3 million. Wow. Do you know what their main sponsor is? Two main sponsors, Johnsonville Brats and Bush's Beans. Now, when I think of bags and cornhole, I think of playing it at a barbecue in my backyard. So there is a loose tie from those two things. But would you care if Bush's or Johnsonville or like Bosch, like they make the spark plugs and shit, do we care if they sponsor if the money if the check 's clear and eyeballs are on it and people dig it no no one gives a fuck and I think we limit ourselves so much I, again you 've listed incredible companies uh, in some cases people that we 're personally friends with you know yeah, yeah looking yeah, at Rudy but, with Overkill and, and looking at sam with, with sportcraft and
0: but they, they don't
1: have the, they don 't have the pocket they don 't have the resources
0: for the marketing budget and the sponsorship right. budget of a Mondelez or an Abbott, or Again, even in John- Johnsonville, Budweiser. Yeah.
1: InBev in, in and Budweiser, are you fucking kidding me? Do you know how much booze is? Or <clears throat> Coors Light. Gosh. Dan Bell and Coors Light. Can you please sponsor Dan Bell? For fuck's sake, can you please do it? I
0: mean, yeah. Alcohol has a lot of money uh, for, a, for marketing.
1: Can you imagine the Jack Daniels presenting sponsor is the WPO Semis?
0: I, it's a very cheap investment, Jack Daniels. If you'd like to give me a call. Just saying. Compared to what you probably put out for like you know, just a small print ad in a yeah. in a magazine that nobody reads anymore.
1: Johnny Walker and Sons, throwing it out there. <laughs> We've got a dope ass trophy we can show you. It's really cool. <laughs> um you do need broad based broadcasting
0: of events. Yes. It you have to be, get,
1: you have to get eyeballs on
0: it. It has to be either T V, streaming, both, probably more towards the streaming end. Mm-hmm. But you know, being on actual T V, there's still a, a large audience of people that that's how they consume their media. It's people Mostly older than us, but Mm -hmm. us as well. Um, You know, I I do think many now the production value of the live streams has improved because the the cost of the cost of that equipment has come down and it's become accessible to the average person. Mm -hmm. You see that through people that make, I mean, I don't know how much YouTube you watch, but I watch a decent number of creators that Mm -hmm. like, I mean, they make TV quality documentaries. Absolutely. You know, with just a single person. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of pro wrestling creators I watch.
1: Um, I'm big I mean, into... I mean, there's a kit you can buy on Amazon right now. It's like $300, and it gets you the cameras, the memory cards, the mic, like everything. I mean, I'm big on roller
0: coasters. My wife and I and brother-in-law and sister-in-law went to Six Flags, so I watch some creators that make videos on roller coasters. I'm a big roller coaster guy. Ew. Ew. You don't like roller coasters, Mr. Fuck, Bane? Fuck no.
1: I'm terrified of heights.
0: But that's what makes it fun.
1: No. Hard pass. Yeah, I love like, roller coasters. Like I, you know, we joke about it. Like I'm not a small guy, but I'm not the biggest guy in the world, right? You probably wouldn't fit on a lot of roller coasters. I, I, my height, I do, but like girth. Yes, a lot of girth. So when you like, you would get or like, like Nicole's a good example of this too, where she would get like three clicks on. You'd get like one click. I get one, maybe two, and I'm freaking the fuck out. Well, <laughs> and I love roller coasters. Like the the worst one, by the way, is the Rock and Roller Coaster in Orlando at Universal. Oh. because that is 200 feet straight the fuck up like you're literally you know back straight to the ground and then it does the slow tip if you're in the front it's fine but if you're in the middle or definitely if you're in the back you pause for a solid two to three seconds just in the air you hear the wind you have the music is playing in your head foot it is like i can feel my adrenaline going right now like it like uh, that's how much heights freak me out.
0: Oh, I love roller coasters. No hard
1: pass. Fuck that.
0: Uh, so, nonetheless, uh, the production value because it is more accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do it on a small meat basis. Mm-hmm. Um, no one it, likes small meats. <laughs> if you want, if you want it to be actually broadcast, though, the format of meats would have to be adjusted, edited, or both. So we're either looking at smaller meats, mm-hmm. or we're looking at highly edited, like like World's Strongest Man. Yeah. And you're just showing the highlights mm-hmm. of select lifters and their actual, like, you're editing it for the competition purposes. Correct. And people who are facing each other.
1: You're, you're not showing the flights of the meat. No, you don't want to see the, the like, and this isn't a detriment anyway. You don't want to see Lily Baines, you know, 100-kilo opening deadlift. Like, you just don't want to see that.
0: Right. Uh, even the WPO, which I think we ran as about as crisp, and as quickly as you possibly could run a high-level multiply meet. Mm-hmm. The 2019 WPO Superfinals we got done in five hours. Yep. Almost exactly.
1: Yep. From, with, from opening squat to final deadlift de- drop.
0: And that is really fast for multiply powerlifting. Fuck yeah, it is. But think about a pro football game with commercials is three hours long. Correct. Uh, a baseball game, which is very slow-moving, people mm-hmm. would say, three, three-and-a-half hours. Yep. And, be, and
1: people will sit there, 60,000 of them will sit there and watch it.
0: How long is the average soccer game, even though nobody cares about soccer? Eh,
1: including halftime, you're looking roughly two, two-ish 2 hours, two and a half at the most.
0: So do you think people are going to sit there for five hours and watch a powerlifting meet? I, I just don't think so. I mean, I love powerlifting.
1: I don't yeah. want to sit there and watch it. Generally, no. Um, sure. Do I want to watch certain lifts? Do I want to watch the highlights? Yeah, I want, there's certain lifters I want to watch. Like I, I watch the USPA Pro. I watch the USPA Pro just to watch Alex Donald. The only, only reason I watched it. So I wanted to watch her, and, and that was it didn't care about anybody else. Even though incredible lifters were lifting, John Hack was lifting, um, uh, Chad Penson, the only person I wanted to watch was Alex. And so I would just click back and forth you know, from whenever I was watching to, to watch that.
0: People would have to buy into the characters of powerlifting, their
1: mm-hmm. look, or both. That, that's an interesting thing because if you look at powerlifting culture right now, there are certainly some characters. And I say that tongue-in-cheek, but also, like, there are people that literally are a character online, because that's the medium they have, and they're very different in person, good, bad, or indifferent. You're going to have to have some people that are true heels, that will tell the public to go fuck themselves, like, to really get it off the ground. You'll have to have some people that can essentially make no mistakes, and when they do, it's going to be bad, and... Then you're going to have people that win when they're not supposed to. And I don't think powerlifting is ready for that on that big stage.
0: Sure. I mean, I think West Side versus the World showed that people could be interested in the characters mm-hmm. of powerlifting. I mean, West Side versus the World, I said, it's as much as anything else, it's the story of Louis. Like, it's the story of Louis Absolutely. and what he created. And it's like, he's a character. Um, but other people like that. He is. Like, Hoff's a character. Um, you know, uh, even though he's not featured as a talking part, but like Chuck Volgapol is a character. Mm -hmm. Um, People like they're interested in that. And like that got people interested in multiple. Putt Houston is a character. Yeah. Putt Houston's a big character. (laughs) Instagram tells us that people buy into the looks of Mm powerlifters, especially your lightweight, lighter weight lifters that aren't necessarily bodybuilder esque physiques, but have like they have an aesthetic solid thick physiques. Mm -hmm. Definitely on Instagram, people are going to buy into females, uh, aesthetic and physique, and not always bodybuilders, but like that thicker, muscular, lean look. Whether it's the lean look the muscle mommies, it's all, it's all there. Right, and, and that shows you that the look of powerlifting could sell. And what you do see is you see a lot of females get into powerlifting, and then just go back to the OF, huh? Then they
1: go the OF route. Right, they go the OF route, or they just go the Instagram mm-hmm. model, quote unquote, Bo- route. Booty model. It- so I was doing the math on this. I was talking with another powerlifting friend of mine that lives up in, in Connecticut. She was doing the math on a particularly well known powerlifter who has an OnlyFans and has hundred subscribers, which is not a lot. But no, but I want to say it's like twenty five bucks a month, and it like it's significant. That's not a small amount of money.
0: Yeah, do the math. hundred, a hundred twenty five hundred dollars a month. Twenty five hundred dollars a month. To I, I mean, how much content are you creating for that?
1: So then I looked at a couple other powerlifts who I know go go that route. One is from Wisconsin. They live uh, on the West Coast now. And they've got a couple thousand subscribers at 15 bucks a month. Wow, oh, that's a lot. So you think about that. I mean, before OnlyFans takes their cut, I mean, you're talking $30,000 a month, not including any tips or any extra stuff that you do. It, it's mind-blowing. The economies of scale of that platform are, are say whatever you want about it, all that money spends the same.
0: Well, I would say, how long is that sustainable for those individuals? Because Which is if, true. If you're banking on your look, and that's what we, we, I did bring it up, we're banking on look mm-hmm. um, that you know that will fade. It will. So I hope you have a I hope you have a good investment plan or a, a secondary uh, income that you're going to work on when that when that ends.
1: And but that's, and that's the thing if you do it right, like that's a solid base to jump off of.
0: But if we're talking about making powerlifting mainstream, and we'll talk soon about whether mm-hmm. we want to do that or not, but that part of it is the look, because we are a, a mm-hmm. culture that bases on aesthetics, bases on look. Sex sells.
1: Mm-hmm. Sexy mm-hmm. looks sell. And by the way, that OnlyFans stuff goes away if we go mainstream, because hmm. there's a lot of pe- there's a lot of companies that will not invest in you if you're off doing that. Sure. Um, be part of the Olympics.
0: <laughs> I seriously doubt this would happen. Yep. Um, not a, it. Not without many, many bribes. Many bribes. Which have probably already happened to some degree. Oh, yeah. I mean many that's many more bribes.
1: A, a ton of bribes and, and here's the thing, like a lot of ass kissing, a lot of kissing the ring. A lot of kissing of a lot of things. And I don't know that you would I like and to the me I, the IOC's been very upfront, they don't want it in the Olympics.
0: I don't really want to be in the Olympics. I don't care. I don't really care about the Olympics. I think the Olympics should just be the traditional Olympic sports. I
1: mean but, they want to get rid of wrestling.
0: But, but right, which is ridiculous. Stupid. but, uh, but I don't see why you couldn't have two barbell sports. I mean, you have, like, how many different types of swimming? Um, you have how many different types of, you know, any given sport. There's multiple gold medal winners in all these, like, you know, how many different kinds of running? Like, I mean, obviously, I think running is a true Olympic sport. Like, Absolutely. Who's the fastest? But how many different versions of running do you have? You know, long distance, short distance, uh Mid- Middle relays. distance,
1: throwing. I mean,
0: all types of shit. And, and so why couldn't you theoretically have two barbell sports? So I don't think that would be a big deal, but drugs. I don't. Well, but, that's, <laughs> but, that, but we just talked about running. Do you know where the powerlifters got their drugs from? They got them from the runners.
1: They, they're Olympians, Eric. They wouldn't. They would never tarnish the Olympic name by using performance enhancers. That's, so that's why powerlifting never be in. So that's to me what it could or would take.
0: Um, it's going to take money. It's going to take a broadcast. It's going to take people buying into the. The people of powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you want a better broadcast, you're going to have to find a way to make it more consumable Correct. in smaller bites. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that the advent of podcasts and you know long form episodic streaming uh, series have shown that people can have an appetite for long form content, <laughs> but I don't think that long form content would come in the form of a. Five to eight hour powerlifting meet. It, yeah. It could come in the form of, you know, documentary style pieces on all of those powerlifters. Mm-hmm. For sure. And building up characters, you know, doing... Uh, do you watch uh, Hard Knocks on HBO? Or have I, you watched it?
1: I've seen a few episodes, like early... like. Season one, season two has so been a long yeah, time. Yeah,
0: so it's basically a documentary of the training camp of NFL teams, and people who aren't even football fans mm-hmm. enjoy watching that. The current one with the Detroit Lions head coach is a freaking nutcase. <laughs> he was out there doing up-downs with his players during Jesus, training camp. fucking nut job. Um, So people could buy into things like that. It would be more mainstream if you're in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. The next question is, do you even want that? Would you want to be in the Olympics? Would you want to be
1: mainstream? Fuck no. I mean... I think I think we agree with this in, in, generally. One of the things that is exciting about powerlifting is is that it's not super mainstream. That people don't necessarily understand it. That it is niche, and it takes it takes kind of a special kind of stupid to do this for a long time. And I kind of dig that. I mean, I'll take the money. Like the money's there, I'll fucking take it. But no, I, I to me, mainstream means a lot of things. It means uh, new interests, and, and when I say interest, I mean agendas. When you when you have co- companies that are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on NFL and TV packages, that kind of stuff, their interest will be served. Ultimately, and th- that's why like it's a it's a big deal when like player when players transgress, whether they break the law or like something really bad, or even just small things. That's why it becomes news because now all of a sudden their investment is associated with someone being bad. And I don't know if powerlifting is ready for that kind of stuff.
0: Well, and here's the topic I, I didn't put as one of my talking points on here. But what's the, one, what's the one thing that probably would keep powerlifting from being mainstream, keeps bodybuilding from being more mainstream? Because, mm-hmm. again, let, let's go back to, like, what is mainstream? Like, people make big money in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. But would you consider the sports, not, not people bodybuilding in the gym, not people, like, wanting to look good, not being a competitive sport. The actual competitive sport of, power, uh, of bodybuilding. Is that mainstream? Hell no. Okay. And what do you think keeps it from being mainstream? Drugs. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Bingo. Bing, bong. Like 100%. That's, I mean, that's a dirty little secret of strongman, but I think it's such a spectacle. Well,
1: remember what a big deal it was when uh, the, mountain. the Mountain admitted on ESPN and people were clutching their pearls and in shock, like, fuck you. He actually takes steroids and we're like, Yes, Yes. every pro athlete does. I wouldn't say every, but it's a, it's,
0: it's a much higher percentage than most people would realize.
1: It's a way higher percentage. Uh, okay, I'm going to say it. You may not agree with me. All your heroes fucking take something. Every single fucking one of them does. And if you are so holier than that, we've talked about this on multiple episodes. If you're so holier than thou, you say, I would never do that. It's about the integrity of the game. Fuck you. It's not. Because you know what that game does? Every single one of those games. They chew you up. They spit you out. They don't give a fuck about you once you're no longer marketable.
0: If you blow out your ACL and you're done, it's in football. It's next man up.
1: Get fucked. Yeah. Get fucked.
0: Yeah. They'll say like, "Oh, we loved you, but yep. next go- next man up."
1: Exactly. Bring so, your playbook.
0: And, and that's what we didn't just dis- dis- didn't put in here, but you know, that's the dirty little secret that would likely keep powerlifting from being mainstream is drugs, mm-hmm. and that's what keeps bodybuilding from going beyond and, a and because powerlifting is honest niche. about
1: it, that's the problem.
0: Right. Bodybuilding is two basically. Um they're they're probably less honest about it because yeah. oh no 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 no, you know, just for recovery, even though they have non-tested meats. Mm-hmm. Strongman also like they do drug tests. they just drug test for like speed and yeah. other things so their heart don't Cocaine explode. Cocaine
1: and heroin and shit.
0: Yeah, so that their hearts don't explode on on TV. Yeah. But you know, it's it's well known. Um I, I think it probably will keep CrossFit from getting any bigger because The drug use there is probably as big as any other sport. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, somebody comes out as testing positive. Like, oh, my gosh, a top-level CrossFit lifter tested positive.
1: Only because they just didn't bend the knee. 100%. -hmm. Won't Um, name any names, but there's someone that we know pretty well that may have fallen victim to that. Mm -hmm. So
0: do we want it to be mainstream? Um, Part of me, part of what attracted me to powerlifting was its niche status, was Mm -hmm. that it was – Underground, that I did my first meet on the third floor of Franz Gym, and there are people walking around looking like mummies in canvas bench shirts. Yep. Um, many of the multiply lifters of the 2000s have echoed the same thoughts. Mm-hmm. And old-time lifters will complain about the raw lifters of today. I'll admit I've been one of those at times. You know, the SBD three times a week crowd is certainly more mainstream than a bloody-nosed multiply lifter, correct? Th- they're, it that's is. A, that's a more mainstream version of a lifter.
1: Yep. I, but here's the, I I tell the story of my first meet, and, and I've I've told it on this podcast, so on a lot of different podcasts. So real quick, went in, weighed in, and walked into the gym in in Sycamore, Illinois. On the platform closest to the gym entrance is a guy squatting somewhere between nine hundred thousand pounds. Gets the up call, his face explodes, blood everywhere. Somebody hits the, the head judge. For me, that was one of the coolest fucking things I'd ever seen. And that is what really like started the hook process for me uh, to get really you know into into powerlifting. I, w- I was doing my first meet. I thought I, I'll do this in the offseason when I'm not playing soccer. No one cares, and and that's what I would do. But this is like this is the extreme version of athletics that I've always searched for. Like every one of these people has to be fucking crazy. If like no one better than I, so yeah, this just happens. Like there was somebody handed them a paper towels who walked off the platform. That's it. And so is it as relatable? Certainly not. But it does attract a certain type of crowd, which then creates more divide.
0: Sure. And I've always made the argument that powerlifting probably fit more into the X Games. I, and I love that argument. Than the Olympics. 100%. And I'm not, I'm not sure if the X Games are a thing anymore. They were a big thing in the 90s, early 2000s on ESPN. <laughs> Yes-ish. You know, I mean, in those some of those sports have become
1: mainstream. Some of those yeah. have been in the Olympics yeah, now. I mean, snowboarding and some skateboarding. I mean, like X Games mid-90s to late-90s on ESPN2, that's, like, classic shit.
0: Right. And I at that time, the early 2000s, I made the argument, powerlifting should not be in the Olympics. It should be as part of the X Games. It's yeah. like, it's here's extreme. another – it doesn't really fit the culture of some of those other sports, but it fits that extreme version mm-hmm. of the sport. And multiply powerlifting fits that build to me. Absolutely. But is that mainstream. Eh, it's niche mainstream. It's, you know, it's a niche – you know, it's a um, bigger platform. It's a bigger platform.
1: Yes. That's for sure.
0: Um the mainstream type of peel has made our meats bigger. Like mm-hmm. the fact that powerlifting inherently is more relatable as far as participation.
1: And and people are doing
0: powerlifting on some level, like in their training for sports. Right. I mean most people that have done a sport have lifted weights. Yes. And so it's not that much of an extension to then, you know, do a squat bench deadlift in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of those raw lifters, which I think trend towards flaming out sooner, mm-hmm. um, they start to become ply curious, like yeah. my man Mr. Bain had, yeah. and they start to throw on some gear. And I think there's an, uh, there is a high interest in doing equipped lifting, yeah, but I mean, there's a
1: lot of people that just don't know how to approach it. Sa- Sam Brown is actually putting together a, uh, a seminar on it. Actually, i going to talk to you about it after the, the show tonight, is he wants to put together a panel and a seminar and kind of do what you had talked about with the intro to Multiply Powerlifting. Sure, sure. Um,
0: you know, uh, the crowd that does a raw meet and then they try bodybuilding and then mm-hmm. they try strongman and then they do MMA, a little bit of MMA, yep. and then they're an Instagram model. And, and, and there's some, some
1: BJJ, you forgot about that?
0: Well, that's not, that's under the, the banner of MMA. Fair. Um, because that is, you know, one of the, the, the martial arts. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but, you know... I, I do think that that has brought more lifters to the sport, but the turnover has been very high. Mm-hmm. But it's possible that some of them could transfer over to the equipped side of the sport. which One of us. I, One of us. Which I think could fit the bill of that, you know, bigger platform, mm-hmm. extreme version of the sport. Absolutely. Um, I personally enjoy seeing powerlifting as that, that niche sport, um, but I would enjoy seeing it in that maybe higher tier niche status that can pay us top lifters like in bodybuilding, that doesn't lose its niche status, and I think what strongman and bodybuilding have been able to do are the closest comps. I don't want the snippy community that bodybuilding is. No, I like more what though, though we are getting it now in powerlifting. We are, and you get some of those types of mm-hmm. lifters and raw lifting that are more like the bodybuilding type mm-hmm. community yeah, versus that's mul- n-
1: multiple has getting a little bit of it too. Uh, sure. Not as um, much, but it's getting a little,
0: um, you know, strongman is, is a close comp, but the participation is never going to be as high just no. because like, like there's a, there's a requisite strength level you need. There's a strength, the requisite like size. You need to just yeah. even
1: I do mean, the, the strongman. idea that the idea that John Compion, who's an enormous human being would be kind of run of the mill at a strongman comp. Is almost mind boggling.
0: Right. Um CrossFit, which I would applaud for building it up to what it is, that's not the place I want to be. That's no. that's that's they have gone more mainstream. And they went cultish for a little while. They were definitely cultish, although you could argue sometimes powerlifting has its its cultishness. What,
1: West, West side had a bit of a cultish feel.
0: Well it's almost like a yeah, almost like a, a cult just being in that gym. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, did you listen to the Dave, uh, Dave Tate, Dave Hoff podcast? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's almost like the way Dave talks about it. It's almost like a PTSD coming out of there. Yeah. Not quite. that. We, we
1: we didn't learn your name because we knew you weren't going to be there next week. That was my favorite line of that. Uh, Right. Exactly.
0: So I would like to see powerlifting get to the point where I don't know that I would describe it as mainstream, but to the point where, as you said, a bigger platform, is available mm-hmm. to the top lifters. And I would love to see the raw lifters succeed. I mean, they're they're certainly along that track, probably further along that track mm-hmm. than Multiply. I, I don't like saying that, but it's probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see if any of those meets that have kind of percolated around can can withstand for a number of years mm-hmm. because there's been a number of meets that have been big and then they're good for big yeah, you years. Had, and you had rum, kind of off. had
1: US Open, and the, yeah, they've fallen off.
0: Right, so can any of them... Sustain for a longer period of time. Right. I would love to see the WPO or multiply powerlifting fit that bill to where lifters, possibly the top lifters, could make a living at it. That yeah. would be great. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know that I need to see it on mainstream ESPN. Um, like I could see it, where you know you're on ESPN two in the evening, sure. Like strongman mm-hmm. and you know a, a
1: clip version of and, and maybe a meet. maybe you catch some kid in Iowa, you know, at a hotel with his dad watching late night powerlifting meets and, and sumo wrestling. And
0: right, right. Know. So that's what I would like to see. Um, I think that's plausible. I'm not going to say I think it's probable. I think it's plausible with mm-hmm. with the right work. Um, I I personally think it's fairly implausible to believe that powerlifting could be truly 100%
1: mainstream. Just remember, Eric, we can do all things through spite that strengthens us. So if we're just angry enough,
0: we'll get it. Yeah, if you, if you complain about an Instagram enough, exactly. mul- multiply powerlifting will just disappear it eventually. Will. It will. By, ju- by Solely by making an Instagram post, that is going to change things. Well. Not by actually doing anything. Um, but just trolling people, being angry, Mm -hmm. sending DMS from fake accounts, that is almost definitely going to eliminate a whole subculture of lifters that love to get wrapped up in tight polyester and canvas and lift weights. Odd, oddly, definitely, definitely. Anything else to add, Mr. Bain on our mainstream powerlifting topic?
1: No, nothing. I think we've covered the the big stuff and, uh, for for everybody that like gives us feedback on these, by the way, just we appreciate it. Like this is as mainstream as you and I are probably ever gonna get, and and it's pretty cool. Like we we appreciate that people interact with us and uh, and give us feedback on the show, and uh, you know we don't make any we don't make any money doing this, uh. So it, it certainly is a labor of love, and I think that's one of the cool things about the sport too is that we get so I don't want to say hung up on it, but so ingrained in it that like we're willing to spend. You know, a couple, three hours out of our, our week, just sitting here in strength anchor studios mm-hmm. recording, talk about this. And like, we've been doing this now for three years Yeah, yeah, and hundreds of hours of episodes. And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's really fucking cool. So I think that's, that's what I love about it. Not being mainstream is that we do this because we fucking love it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Coming up, Mr. Bain, I think we're keeping on schedule pretty well with one episode, one interview a month. I have a really good idea on another fairly interesting person uh, that we could interview next if he is willing. Um, I know you've got a couple ideas as well. I would kind of like to wait until after the WPO mm-hmm. for some of those people that uh, you have suggested. Um, I, you know,
1: why well, don't Ginny is game. I just talked to her today because she's sending my shirt back. So.
0: Oh, okay. You had uh,
1: Jenny mm-hmm. uh
0: work on your, your shirt. what did she do to it?
1: Uh so we've she's taken it in once and and I got a lot out of that. Um I needed it taken in just a little more on the arm, so I got like a half inch all the way up each sleeve. Sure. Uh so still like I can still manipulate the shirt with that, but it's a little more pop. I'd like to get a little more out of it, uh, you know, sure. for this
0: WP Ho coming up. So if you don't know, Jenny Phillips is a very interesting character in powerlifting. She's like a seamstress that like never she has, fell into doing this. Never has lifted a weight, but had a local person in Maine, and she like literally lives. She lives in the border of Maine and Canada, where there like is no border. She t- yeah, she technically lives on the on the Canadian side. Yeah, and she like works back and forth between the two. And, but up there in northern Maine, southern Canada, like it's like basically just all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's somebody that's been working on multiply powerlifting gear for twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. It's one of those just like interesting characters, just like Amy Jackson, who fell into. Mm-hmm you know, working for Ernie Franz. Michael, Michael Soong. Right, Michael Soong, who wasn't really a lifter. Like, just these interesting people that have been associated with the sport and, like, aren't
1: even necessarily lifters, but have these interesting stories and, and becoming, know, surrounding them. And become completely ingrained again, like we said, in, in the sport. I mean, Sung's all-time list is still something that's talked about.
0: Right. I believe that uh, Cosette Neely and Dan Neely have, mm-hmm. like, replicated that correct list on Instagram. Correct. I mean, they – Posting on Instagram, like it's a still actual list mm-hmm. because they didn't like the way that open powerlifting had handled it. Correct. Um, so. I think that is it, Mr. Bain. Um, you know, the usual. Uh, leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. with words. Mm-hmm. Uh, write us a review. Um, send them, if you think you know somebody that would enjoy this podcast, go ahead and use the share function on your podcast app to share an episode with them. Um, if you think they would enjoy hearing more about the history and intricacies of the sport um we'll update the merch store soon uh, i was just looking at your your sweatshirt there mr bain mm-hmm. it reminded me of uh
1: maybe time for an upgrade there um other than that and, mr. and don't, bain, for, don't forget it is uh, indoor soccer season starting soon so make sure to pick up your nobody cares about soccer t-shirt perfect you can wear that to your kids soccer games my brother-in-law wears that to his daughters my niece and nephews soccer games and people are like, well, your arms are out of a soccer game? He's like, yep, and no one fucking cares. <laughs> <laughs> so then he, then he explains it, the whole thing with the, the podcast and whatnot. He's like, yeah, my brother-in-law played for like 30 years, and this is like a line from his podcast. Right. It's just a shtick at this point. It but is. it is and very funny. It is. It's a stereotype. And my
0: daughter plays soccer, and she was reluctant to play, but by the end of the season, she was upset it was over, so she will play again in the spring, and she likes soccer. Perfect. But no one cares. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and Anger.